Hey guys, Osam here. Just very quickly before we start, Guillaume and I have partnered up with Automation Boutique to write a brand new ebook for you guys called Going Beyond the Buzzwords. It's an amazing ebook that goes through all the things about automation, data, and processing that just simplifies the topics just in the way that we do all the time in Corporate Treasury 101. To pick up your copy, just go into the show notes and click on the link or go to the website and find the partners page where we have a link to the ebook there as well with Automation Boutique. And then here's the episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our full interview with Alex Axentiev, where we discuss the evolution of treasury software solutions. In today's episode, expect to learn how has the landscape of treasury software solutions evolved over the past few years? What are some of the significant changes and innovations that have impacted the market? What modular treasury software solutions are there and how do they benefit companies? How do these solutions work and integrate with other systems and processes within our company? And much more. We hope you enjoy this episode. And if that's the case, when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are it was through word of mouth, social media, or recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And our request to you remains only one. Please do help the show and go subscribe to our YouTube channel at Corporate Treasury 101. And it would mean the world to us and help other people learn about treasury. One more note, we listen to you. We'd put up a poll on our LinkedIn and we asked people, what do you guys like about Corporate Treasury 101? Do you like our long episodes or the shorter ones where we break down an episode into three smaller segments? That's how we get four episodes out a week. And you guys say you guys really listen to the long one and our download stats kind of show that too. So as of the week of February 12th, we will be only publishing one long episode we won't be doing the shorter ones anymore and you guys can enjoy that and feel free to cut it up. And if you hate that decision, just let us know on LinkedIn. And with that, here's Alex. So now I like the way you describe treasury operations and everything that makes a lot of sense. So. The relevance of the software to these smaller companies is really, I liked what you said about technology is there to, I think there was a statement somewhere that was like, technology is there to democratize things that were exclusive to the elite down to people uh, further down in the, in the chain as well. And um, so you're essentially using technology and the accounting example you gave is really, really relevant. I think where we went from, you need to go off and hire someone to be able to do uh, your accounting as a smaller company uh, because you don't have access to an ERP to help you with it, for example, or anything like this. Uh, you don't have an SAP or if we're going to build in an SAP or anything like this, you would have to hire an accountant to mundane tasks. Now we have software to be able to do that even for the smaller companies to make accountants a lot more value add. Do you see like smaller companies, the landscape of technology, is that, has it been linear like that? Or have you seen other developments of how technology is almost democratized financial services for small companies? I think it changed a lot after the pandemic, right? So I think in a way, the pandemic probably was one of like, well, actually, maybe it's just the, the only benefit of pandemic that uh, like I could kind of name was how SMEs embraced the like remote work and like ability to connect to the data remotely. Because obviously, like a lot, a lot of solutions that like we offer uh, existed previously and have been used by larger corporations, but for a variety of reasons, the adoption for SMEs wasn't as high, right? So, like a 
even like as recently as uh, three or four years ago, like uh, if you were to speak to kind of an SME client, they would be talking about on-premise accounting software, Excel spreadsheets, PDF, like emails flying around back and forth in terms of how data was being transferred. And I think there, was, there has been a fairly dramatic shift, both from clients or users perspective, how they actually use the data, but equally as a result, how the uh, software providers, you know, like actually starting to talk to each other. So like, that's kind of the introduction of the whole APIs and, and, and starting to integrate between a CRM to accounting system to like TMS or like the equivalent and sort of like a, almost like cross connectivity, which like it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been possible for hedge flows to do what we do currently, where we connect to like, say a fairly large accounting system in minutes, importing all their accounts, payables, receivables, data, sales and purchase orders, and crunching the numbers and in a matter of minutes, showing them how much risk they have, you know, and what they can do about it. Right. This typically used to be an exercise, which was only kind of like uh, available to your point to larger businesses either where large multinational corporations would get banks coming to them and saying like, look, we could do this analysis for you and give us some business, right? Which is kind of like a, you know, probably quite familiar to all the large multinational corporations or the treasury consultants who can do the same work for probably small, smaller businesses typically, but equally do the same job. Like it's just essentially they're filling the gap that banks are leaving like it is as a word, because like you say, like those clients are not big enough for their kind of financial markets divisions to throw the resources at them. But the approach there is like, again, we're going to get your data. We're going to have a human or a team of humans crunch the numbers. We're going to prepare the presentation, pitch to you, trying to get either some business in return or, uh, or kind of earn consultancy fees, which by itself makes it a, an exercise where you have to charge intense, if not hundreds, thousands of, you know, like a pounds or dollars or euros. And as a result, this is kind of where almost the, uh, the hedging adoption, for example, stops for, for smaller businesses. Like you can't really do it if you only stand to lose 10 or 20,000 in a year, right? But 10 to 20,000 in a year is meaningful amount of money for a business, which kind of could otherwise be growing and eventually grow a lot bigger. I think hedging, what again, hedging is there to allow people to trade and grow more safely, right? So uh, if you don't do it well, or you lack the confidence because sort of you're taking the financial risk, otherwise you're probably going to be like, you know, like not growing as much. And by actually implementing solutions, which allow people to kind of trade and grow faster, you kind of essentially, our view is like, you're actually allowing them to ultimately compete with larger businesses, you know, in a more like um, equal way. Um. No, no, no. Super interesting indeed. So, I, yeah, pandemic, perhaps the only good thing about the pandemic indeed was, I think across the board, adoption of technology, right? Uh, and reliance on technology to be able to do everything. I mean, more and more people learned what contactless was, just a very, very simple example where it was adopted immensely as well in the consumer level. And it's interesting. I never thought of that perspective that also on the corporate side, all of a sudden, all these companies had to be able to connect to each other because the clients were demanding them straight away. APIs have been around for ages, but I don't think anything had been adopted as quickly as it had uh, during that period indeed. And it was just born out of necessity to push us all into that indeed. So would you say that was probably the main 
significant technological advancement? Or was there any technological advancement? Because like I said, APIs have been around for a while. Were there any other like real technology breakthroughs that came out in this period? I think it wasn't, like I say, it wasn't a breakthrough. It was in terms of technology, but actually the adoption, like it was probably the critical point. I think obviously when it comes to like, you know, essentially other, again, like uh, you could argue it's, it's the technology, open banking did help, right? You know, uh, it has its promises. Like it, it kind of, you know, and we're starting to see tangible benefits, even though I think that banks have frankly tiptoeing towards adopting it properly. Like, you know, because again, traditional banks are, you know, have to be on a conservative side and we're seeing in, like uh, in how the open banking is being adopted. But for example, when it comes to open banking, like traditionally, like a, TMS systems had to rely on host-to-host -host connections. Again, like a, like a, you know, connectivity was there, but available only to people who could afford the systems which rely on host-to-host -host and can pay for those integrations. Open banking, like, easily makes it a lot more accessible to a lot of solutions and ultimately end users to kind of to connect to the data, to leverage the data, to do analysis, to automate processes and so on and so forth. So I think it's, I'm kind of hoping it, it will actually continue to produce more results. It's definitely a, a pretty, you know, sensible initiative. It's just probably one of those where trying to impose it on banks just takes longer than everyone hoped when it, when it first started. And second, obviously, like, you know, frankly, like obviously AI has landed with a splash last year it will have huge consequences for how like, we do jobs in finance, right? But what we're seeing is like, and again, maybe just specifically with our type of clients, actually, like we, we see a lot more benefits in starting to use AI where humans are weak, where there's catching errors, where there's cleaning data, where there's spotting like new trends, risks, and opportunities rather than fully automating and relying on it to sort of process, execute, make decisions without, without the supervision. I'm definitely in a camp where like combination of connectivity and availability of data, um, kind of almost like robotic uh, processing um, and automation in general, helping and AI is almost the next level of like, you know, actually both combining the spread of knowledge and best practices to kind of a lot smaller businesses and empowering them to do stuff which they otherwise wouldn't ever, never be able to do. And kind of, again, I think it kind of pretty fertile ground for especially smaller businesses to benefit because essentially like if you give like smaller guys the tools which kind of lets them compete and grow faster you know it kind of like you know again levels the playing field and gives them kind of like an opportunity to go and trade not just in kind of smaller home market but you know like don't worry about the financial consequences of trading with 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 the us or europe and, and so on and so forth so I guess, I mean, across the board then, with all those changes, I guess clients and treasurers or let's say finance managers in these companies and these SMEs are almost expecting this now, right? It, it moved from something that didn't exist at all to something that was born out of necessity, something that's just a base expectation. It's like, what do you mean you can't integrate in with my provider here and I can't get that information into there? I need someone to do it manually. Do you see that become an expectation? And if so, have you seen enough software vendors adapt or do you think there's still gaps for the SME market in terms of software in this regard? I think there's the, still gap. I think the standard is not 
where it can be like a, I think for example like connectivity so essentially at the moment and again sort of I'll, I'll take example of like one of like large ARPs is like essentially they rely on kind of the essentially the consultants implementation consultants to like integrate a lot of their solutions and essentially in a way there is like skewed uh incentives there in terms of how to, how to kind of how to do things kind of do it more on a project base basis rather sort of like people very often get surprised when we kind of tell them you can integrate with this you know erp in in a matter of minutes you don't really need to spend next two weeks hiring consultant to do to do certain things you know we had examples where someone like a large client of ours has moved from zero because they grew so fast to to dynamics and they actually been able to port what they do with us in a matter of two days and kind of spending months to do some of the other functions that the finance team performs. So I think, I mean, there is definitely still a fairly kind of diverse, like a degree of like sort of you know, embracing it, especially to small businesses, possibly just because like, again, like, a, you know, people see opportunity to make money otherwise, but like opportunity is definitely there. Like, I guess like one of our competitive advantages we found is actually like with small businesses, like one of the biggest challenges they have is they, they're time poor. Like I thought all finance people are time poor, even like a large corporates until I saw kind of smaller businesses. They run 16 jobs at the time. And essentially for them, a project, even two week project is a long project, right? Uh, so ability to show and demonstrate results and value from actually integrating your system in a matter of like a hours or days is huge for them. So, you know, like giving them easy wins is probably again, one of uh, this kind of other big differences that we've saw from like what you big corporates demand, where it would be like six months project, then it will be planned. We'll have a like specific team and, and consultants hired for it versus essentially the way it works. Typically with businesses under hundred million, they kind of, they, they, they realize they need something they start searching for solutions and the next thing is for them is actually they want to try it out and compare it right so uh, giving them the option of like actually fairly quickly try it and see the benefits is huge and i kind of do believe that like if if i were now sitting in a corporate and sort of like you know like being serviced by a fairly kind of solid incumbent whether it's financial service providers or software providers i would be looking at actually experimenting with tools which have been built in the last say probably five maybe a maximum seven years where effectively they they tap into this like recent like, uh, like a recent trends whether it's we talked about apis cloud-based solutions you know like uh, increasingly the adoption of ai and i think that's where actually you get the most value for money from the technology you're buying right so uh, because essentially if you more established incumbent again servicing smes is hard right it's probably kind of well-established fact that actually like, you know, once you, once you established your foothold in a semi market, like typically large players become a lot more cautious and stop innovating as much as kind of otherwise, like, um, you know, like they're kind of new kind of like startups, like in our case, like, you know, like we will always kind of bring new stuff out because we need to get to a stage where you actually can sort of like show that it's 10 times better than their existing solution. And like, you know, definitely if i were to give one advice to to your listeners is like there are tools out there which are fantastic not just hedge flows so like a, you know the best way to actually approach it obviously read reviews you know if you're using erps which have marketplaces you know like a read the reviews there 
kind of book the demos, have a look and try it, right? Because, you know, like our best clients actually found us themselves, but because they had specific needs and kind of as, as more startups, like you can almost see like when actually the client has a specific need and they're very quick to integrate and start using a specific feature. From there, it kind of actually kind of like snowballs into kind of mutual benefits and like, you know, the clients start to unlock more benefits. They see the value, they start to trust your solution. And again, the way we do it, we actually, even though we predominantly our biggest expertise is in risk management, a lot of clients will start using us for a simple thing as payments automation. But what actually it does is like in, for them to actually understand whether it works or doesn't for them takes a day, right? That essentially, but payment run either worked or it didn't, right? And then it's like, it's very clear very quickly. And, uh, you know, they tried for some time, but because they already integrated their systems, our software actually starts to flag them opportunities, whether it's their risks or, or kind of like, you know, lazy working capital and, and so on and so forth. So like the, like, you know, again, the technology is there to sort of almost guide you towards like possibly solutions to your needs, which you often actually possibly think, oh yeah, I know it's a problem, but I have 20 other priorities and kind of like, you know, until like really it becomes really a big problem, I kind of like don't touch it. Like essentially if we, if you start using some solutions, which are kind of like solving a small problem, it becomes a lot easier than just to start, you know, bit by bit adopting other bits. Mm -hmm. Nineties, and so that brings us really nicely into the other thing we wanted to touch on, which is modular software, which is something that seems to be coming up really a lot, and especially modular treasury software solutions. So, could you explain what those are and how they benefit these SMEs? Yeah. So, but yeah, I think modular software is not a new like a concept as well as as the way it was talked about the uh, treasury management systems. Like, like if you think about treasury management, like any kind of like well-established brand, they have modules as well. I think the only difference is. Like a, when you're actually selling to possibly to larger businesses and there is a six months integration project, like to actually even to, to get it going, might as well do it for the full package, right? I think was, again, as I started talking about the, the kind of the time poor nature of a typical CFO in a small and medium sized business, like a, they, they do want to see kind of early wins and essentially in a way like modular approach actually helps them to sort of try and compare like early on, like, you know, there was a great study by, uh, I think it was Bain Capital, like about a year ago, where they actually found that 80, 70 to 80% of like, uh, CFOs that they uh, surveyed, like were interested in switching to a single vendor solution, right? So everyone actually wants to have a unified solution towards their kind of like treasury and FP&A and, and kind of all other finance functions. Right. So, which makes obviously complete sense because it's one solution, which kind of like talks to itself and does work, but at the same time, a small business can't really splash out and buy everything in one go. Right. So, you know, like there are, there are modules, which cost a lot more and take a long, longer time to sort of actually like realize the value, right. You know, good risk management module is, you know, like is, is, is kind of more expensive to, to build and run and so on and so forth. There are probably about two dozen payments automation solutions, right? So like if you, as a business only thing that like, you know, you don't really have risk management problem and not planning to have one, you know, like you, you can be just going after this payable solution, which is right for you. But if you, a business, which 
think you'll, I don't have a problem now, but we're growing fast and maybe in six months time, I will need to start managing my risks. The benefit of starting with a payable solution, which can ultimately kind of like lead to you adopting a good cash flow management program, you know, uh, kind of uh, pretty high. And that's, I think that kind of how we see the, the modular bit. So like there is, there, there's, in our case, there is a module about AP automation. There is one about cash visibility, you know, like, a, you know, the risk management we talked about the plenty, increasingly people asking for solutions about kind of monitoring their kind of like, you know, like a access liquidity and where to put it in deposits and either to get the best available yields or, or to diversify in line with their kind of treasury policies. So again, kind of as we talk about it, it's all the bits which kind of typically would exist in traditional treasury management system, but the, the only difference you essentially kind of pick and choose what you can start with the main benefit, you know, like you actually integrate very quickly with your underlying systems, which could be like your ERP, could be your spreadsheets, depending on what you're actually kind of trying to accomplish. And you start using something which ultimately you sort of like getting to know and like, you know, like, a, and, and trying it out. The end game is, as we talked in the beginning, still sort of like you, you try to sort of work towards the right package for you. And again, you know, like for some people, it will be just one module of others. It will be 50% and kind of like, a, you know, for, for some others, it will be like, you know, like pretty much all the available modules. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so how do these different ones connect? To each other, so I mean, the, the single solution, the vendor solution, makes complete sense, um, mainly because, no offense, vendors are just a hassle, a lot of the time. <laughs> and as a company, as a corporate, if you have, you've got, if you have five companies that you're working with, you have five helplines that you need to get through at varying quality levels. You have uh, five points of failure potentially that could go wrong in the entire process. You have, you know, like five people that are accountable for that thing being fixed as well. But at the same time, you can have much more specialist solutions, right? You can have the best in class for one for your FX risk, because that just gives you a much better rate perhaps on your hedges uh, versus, you know, the best in class solution for your APAR. So there's also that side of things as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then that's where, again, sort of like the trade-off really lies into sort of understanding and kind of what your kind of almost like future needs may be and also asking what are, you know, like the like product roadmap of a potential kind of software power provider you're considering. Because as we discussed, like actually, especially in SME space, it's a bit of a sort of like race to build an equivalent of uh, kind of TMS, right? So like they all did pretty much everyone you can think of are sort of like adding more features features every every uh, you know every every few months. So I think I think you're right in a way. Like it's sort of like a best in class versus kind of uh, one size fits all. But I think it's also like in our, we kind of for example position ourselves like f as as a solution for international finances. So like our our brand promise is to make international finances safe and simple. Right. So if you trade internationally, whether it's a SaaS company or travel business or logistics and wholesale, like a typically kind of like you'll have very specific problems around sort of dealing in multiple currencies. And frankly, like, you know, from, from what we saw when we started is like, actually the multi-currency bit in most systems, which existed to date was an afterthought. So you kind of first start building 
whatever you're building, right? You know, whether it's cash pl cash flow planning or or payment solution. And then you kind of realize that people need to do it in multiple currencies and they have multiple entities and like those are kind of in, the, in different functional currencies and, and so, so on and so forth. And like multi-currency feature is a bolt-on, right? That makes the whole bit fairly clunky and less kind of reliable. And that's kind of, I guess, where we come in in terms of actually from get-go, we kind of thought actually we, we're building stuff for kind of businesses who want to trade and grow more internationally. Multi-currency is important. There are a lot of problems around it and we're kind of here to solve it. That's that's our approach. And kind of when we say best-in-class, that's our best-in-class. It's not the best-in-class in APR or, or risk management. It's best-in-class on specific kind of like type of business needs, right? The same approach could be like doing something for a specific industry. So I think, again, I th like the trend towards, my, my personal view is the trend towards kind of, you know, like more, more features is kind of like, a, again, playing out. It has played out in, in CRMs, in, again, the, the um, kind of like it's sort of communication. We went from telephones to now like, you know, like integrated, sort of like a video conferencing, podcasting tools like, like, like this one. And the, so it's all kind of, kind of, you know, evolving into kind of like, you know, ultimately the sort of, there is a balance between having a right bound, the kind of set of features, right? You know, as the kind of best in class one specific tool. But I think where you write this actually, it's probably more around actually being best in class for, for someone rather than in, in best in class in specific functionality. Hmm. Hmm. Super interesting. And do you have a do you have a hard and fast rule that when a culprit should go for one or the other approach? That's a good question. I would probably say again, like probably showing my financial market stripes, I would go with like a return on investment as the uh, the main metric. So like like you know, ultimately the higher uncertainty and again like you know like i'm a former options trader so like you know like essentially trying to guess what you'll need in the future is is, is guesswork as a uh, predictions are involved like and uh, and so i kind of ultimately if you can demonstrate that there are greater returns and sort of like then trying to guess how how much extra you're going to get from extra features that's what i would be trying to focus on rather than sort of like essentially like again thinking about SMEs, like they're not exactly kind of cash rich as well. So typically we'll probably sort of like identifying the exact immediate needs, maybe like planning for the next year. So you don't have to be like, again, sort of from, from experience, switching systems is even more expensive. Again, like I see it with people who like move the ARPs. It's probably one of the most painful experiences I see our clients going through, right? So like it's, it always takes, you know, four times longer and, and kind of even more in terms of a kind of overspend. So like there is an element of sort of like planning a little bit ahead, but unless you're sort of pretty well established business, which will be kind of working the same way in five years time, plan for the next year or two. And that kind of, that's the function.